Hello and welcome to the Power Independence Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Philbin, Chief Administrative Officer of Dynasty Financial Partners. Today's guest is a very special one, Adam Piandis. Adam is a coach, a speaker, and an author. He focuses his work on the art of masterful communication, leadership, and empathy within large and small organizations and as an individual coach. He has done his work both domestically in the United States and internationally. And his coaching program, The Art of Masterful Communication, just recently translated into Spanish. Hello and welcome to the Powering Independence Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Philbin, Chief Administrative Officer for Dynasty Financial Partners. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, the powerful Adam Piandis. Adam, what's going on? Austin, great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited about today's conversation. I think probably a good place to start uh, would be for you to talk a little bit about um, yourself and what you do and kind of your aspirations and, and visions in, in life. Sure, sure. So um, I coined myself to be a leadership coach. And uh, for me, I focus a lot of the work that I do on um, helping people improve their communication efforts, having a better understanding of what it means to be an emotionally intelligent leader. I work in a couple different capacities. I have I have an organization where we run corporate group coaching programs and we move teams within organizations through six-week programs collectively. Gives them an opportunity to, to not only get to know one another a little bit better, but we focus on really getting into the root of what makes somebody a better communicator and giving them the tools and skills to be able to then apply it. So we've been working with organizations all over the world. We've had um, people in over 70 countries, I think at this point right now, participate in our in our group coaching programs. And we're, we're super excited about what we're doing and where we're headed. And I also work with individuals um, in a one-on-one capacity. And I, I work with a couple people per year. And that really gives me a great opportunity to get to know somebody on a much deeper level. And, you know, we, we work typically anywhere between six months to two years is kind of the, the span of time when, when I work with individuals and, um, and we're doing a lot of different things within, within the company here. We're, we're launching more programs for individuals, more group coaching programs. I'm, I'm doing a lot more speaking now in this virtual world and presenting kind of in different ways. I've in, in the past, I've given a lot of presentations in person and as things are shifting, uh, we're changing as well. And, yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of an overview of what, what I'm up to where, um, you know, I love the work that I do. I, I love the the direction that our company's headed in. And, and, and for me, you know, I get, I get a lot of joy just out of connecting with people on a personal level. And, and this gives me an opportunity to, to do that and, and, and to connect with people really from all over the world, um, in that, in that same capacity. So that's where I'm at. That's what I'm doing. And, and, uh, I'm excited where we're headed. Cool. One of the things that you mentioned was just on your work with individuals and we know each other fairly well. So it's my guess or more than a guess. It's my 
my understanding that, you know, in working with a lot of successful individuals, including entrepreneurs, which are a lot of the listeners, they're entrepreneurs in the wealth management space, just started their first business. My assumption is that you've seen some very positive traits that make a successful entrepreneur and also potentially some very negative traits for successful entrepreneurs. Can you talk a little bit about both of those aspects of entrepreneurs and how they can help and hinder them from achieving even more? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. You know, entrepreneurship is a windy road. And um, oftentimes, as I've seen, you know, the intention is to move in a certain direction. And almost always, uh, the pathway does not lead in that particular direction, right? So I think to be a successful entrepreneur, it's really, really important to be nimble. It's, It's really important to be able to um, make decisions that are based off of what the market is telling you, not necessarily what your heart is holding onto, right? So oftentimes there's there's an intention, there's an objective, perhaps there's a business plan, and you want to position yourself to capture a certain part of the market. Well, the market might tell you something different. And so if you're not able and willing to adjust and pivot and be nimble, um, you know, the journey could end pretty quickly. And so I would say that on one side, being nimble and being flexible is the positive piece. Uh, On the other side to that equation and that coin is, you know, if there's a tendency to really grip too tightly to ideas and to to have sort of a controlling approach to it, entrepreneurship (laughs) is going to be a really difficult pathway, right? It's going to be like pushing a boulder up a hill. And so I, I would say that's the first thing. The, the second thing that I that I find with successful entrepreneurs, and I, and I just happen to work with a lot in in various capacities and um, in different channels and different businesses and industries, is that if you're not a hundred percent in, you should probably go do something else. Uh, you know, I, I'll talk to a lot of people who will say, "Hey, I'm thinking of starting this job, and I'm, you know, I have some ideas around it, and." You know, I'm just not sure. As soon as you hit the I'm just not sure, the question then becomes, you know, what's it going to take to get you to that point where you do feel sure that you want to do this? Because it's a it's a challenging path. It's a challenging path. It requires an all-in approach. And you really have to be 100% in if you're going to make that leap and make it work and be successful. Now, you could... Um, make the 100% leap and have it not work out on the first try. And that's okay. That that goes back to what I was sharing before about being flexible and being nimble. So if, if you're considering entrepreneurship and if you're considering starting your own business and you're about 85% of the way there, I think it's a worthwhile exercise to sit down and say, okay, I'm at 85%. What's it going to take for me to get to 100%? And really get clear on those things. And once you get to 100%, then dive in. Before that, it's premature and it can often be uh, really destructive. So I I would say those are kind of the two things is to be all in with your heart and to be flexible in the process. Because regardless of what your idea is, um, you're going to learn along the way. And uh, if we're talking about in the financial industry, um, it it really doesn't matter what industry we're talking about. You're going to learn and you're going to be asked to make um, 
to make changes and you just have to be able to roll with it and stay all in. I, I really believe, and I've seen this time and time again, where entrepreneurs will start a business, they'll get a couple years in and they'll be so discouraged that, you know, they choose to move in a different direction and that's fine. And, and that's right. perfectly okay. However, if you really truly want to make it work, you've, you've got to be able to get over those humps and, and really, um, and really stay with it. And, and, and the more you do something, the more you practice something, I think the more you, you know, the better you get. Yeah. And that element that you're talking about in terms of mental elasticity, I think is, is very both relevant and important to, to entrepreneurs, because there's always going to be this friction between waking up every day and doing the things that you need to do uh, to be successful in the business, while at the same time understanding that you're going to need to have some semblance of a longer-term strategic plan. And being able to weigh between those two things, the, the tactical blocking and tackling items on a day-to-day -day basis and having enough foresight to understand what the market is telling you um, and not to get caught up in your own preconceived notions of what you think is right. It just, there's a lot of different variables that go into, again, having a business be successful, but having it be successful over a sustained time period. Because again, to your point around pivoting, you may have a really good idea that's good for four years or five years, but if you don't change, you're not going to be in business 10 years or 20 years down the road. So you answer the first question around 100% being in mental elasticity in terms of the positives. What are some of the negative traits that you see from entrepreneurs that pop up from time to time? Yeah, you know, I, um, and perhaps this is because of my profession and what I've been trained to do and just what I practice over the years. I try not to to bucket things in the positive and the negatives, um, yeah. and and look at kind of the negative things as more opportunities for growth. And so where 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 I'll you know the perspective I'll take it from is, a lot of people will get stuck in those areas where there's actually an opportunity to grow because they're gripping too tightly to their preconceived notions. And so mm -hmm. if we focus a little bit on that, you know, one of the things. So you talked about you know, a five-year business versus a 10-year business and having to pivot after that. Probably the most important rule of thumb is, is to approach everything incrementally. And if you're willing to approach things from an incremental perspective, now you're taking little bite-sized chunks um, that you can then build on. So the negative or where people get stuck is trying to do too much at once. Right. So right. I think vision is important. Um, you know, when I've had people talk to me, I actually had somebody reach out to me the other day and say, Hey, would you mind taking some time and helping me construct a business plan? And my response was, Okay, why don't you send me back what you want to do for the first week and let's start there? Right. And so I think there's this big misconception that you have to have this grandiose business plan. And and in the old, you know, the back in a previous paradigm, that might have been the case, but I, I think that things are moving so quickly now and they're changing so quickly that you actually don't need that five-year plan. You can have a vision and you can say, you know what, I'm going to point my arrow this way and I want to go this way. 
Um, and at the same time, it can be extremely beneficial to just say, you know what, I'm going to take these things in bite-sized chunks. So it, it's that old adage of, you know, you're at the base of the mountain, you want to get to the top of the mountain all at once. Well, it's just not going to work. That's going to turn in pushing, turn into pushing a boulder up a hill. So I think that, right. you know, that incremental approach and, um, and really taking those bite-sized chunks will, will, will alleviate some of the stuck points that, that people tend to get into or, or some of those negative traits, if you will, trying to take on too much at once. And, and then the other piece to that is, is, is the relationship that the individual has with themselves internally. There's going to be a lot of setbacks and there's going to be a lot of self-judgment that comes as a result of that. I'm not moving fast enough. I'm not getting enough done. I should be further along. Um, you know, what if this doesn't work out? All of those internal stories can be extremely detrimental if, you know, the entrepreneur, the person that's taking on the endeavor doesn't make personal development, doesn't make learning about those things a priority. And so I think that's another stuck point, or as as you may suggest, kind of a negative, a negative trait that uh, someone can take on. So it's, it's, it's really about incremental growth. And it's about, you know, learning how you respond emotionally to external challenges. And so I would say those are a couple of things to think about. Yeah, I I love that answer, particularly the aspect around characterizing or bucketing things into positive and negative. And that leads to, you know, a whole other element of conversation around the philosophy of taking a weakness or identifying a weakness and trying to strengthen it versus taking a weakness and letting that be something that holds you back, like a a limiting factor that you consciously or subconsciously keep in your mind that you can't do something. And so therefore it becomes like an anchor rather than look at something where you may not be uh, the best at it, but you can work at it. Or from a practical business sense, you could find a partner or an employee to fill that gap that you have as an entrepreneur, as a, as an owner or leader of a business. And then the second element that you're talking about around everything being incremental, it's like logic increment, like logically taking incremental steps. You know, oftentimes I exercise a lot. People ask me, they'll say, you know, what supplements should I take? My answer is like, before we get into like what supplements you should take, why don't we look at the basics? Like, are you getting enough sleep? Are you exercising correctly? Are you eating correctly? But I think just in general, people are always kind of looking for that golden bullet from the old James Bond game. And instead of focusing on just doing the simple things correctly on a day-to-day basis, because if you do that over time, I think it leads to some pretty massive results. Your personal journey, I know, based on our relationship involved developing this philosophy around leadership that you have that's different, I think, than what might be a stereotypical one. So, you know, this masculine, hard-driving, hard-charging person versus something that's a little bit more open, authentic, and having more empathy for others. So can you tell me a little bit around how you've developed this philosophy around leadership and how you try to use this philosophy to help people understand potentially how they can become better leaders? Sure, sure. 
so one of the things that you talked about, Austin, in there is you had somebody come to you and say, hey, dude, like what supplements can I take to get jacked or whatever, whatever the question may <laughs> right, be. Right? Right. And so and you're like, well, have you slept in the last week? Right. And so I think it's a nice it's quite relevant in terms of how leadership and communication works on the individual level and the collective level is that you have to have a strong internal foundation before you can perform at an optimal rate in your external world. Right. So every endeavor. I like that. Can you say, can you say that again? I like that. Yeah, that, sure. If I can <laughs> say it the same way <laughs> is that um, you have to have a strong internal foundation so that you can function optimally in your external world. Yeah. Right. And so let's go back to the example that you shared. You talked about sleep, right? If you're getting enough sleep, your body is resting and you are then um, at an advantage, right? Because you're going to function at an optimal rate when you get up. If you're putting the right foods in your body, um, you're then going to support the sleep that you've prepped your body for for that following day. And so what do these things do? Well, they, they speak to some of the things you spoke about, which is self-limiting beliefs. What are the stories that we're telling ourselves about ourselves that we gravitate towards? Well, if you have more sleep and if you're eating well, you're going to respond to those internal like negative belief systems uh, with a lot more self-love, with a lot more self-compassion because you're resting. Right. Right. So it's that foundational piece that gives you the tools, that gives you the skills, or at least gives you the chance to use those tools and skills uh, to your advantage. And so now, now you're able to address some of those self-limiting beliefs. And then the other thing that you mentioned was around delegating. Yeah. Right. It's it's understanding what your strengths are. It's understanding what your weaknesses are, and then continuing to work on those quote unquote weaknesses, or we'll call them opportunities for growth. And then being really smart about it and delegating some of those things to, to other folks who are really strong in those areas. So, so why is this, why is this important for the examples that we talked about is that if you give your body enough rest, um, you're able to, to see things more clearly, you're able to relinquish control in this instance. And in fact, delegate, because that's a really powerful leadership skill. Right. So as far as kind of the models that I've built or the methodologies that, I, that I've developed, um, you know, when I, when I work with people, I'm really clear that it's a, it's a very simple, uh, if we back up 30,000 feet here, it's a very simple two-step process. You work on the stuff internally, and then you work on the stuff that, that is external. Right. And so the internal stuff, what are we talking about? Well, it's managing your energy. It's learning about your blind spots, your invisible, like refer to as invisible obstacles. It's befriend, befriending your fear. It's developing self-awareness. It's, it's acknowledging that you have a choice with everything and then taking personal right. responsibility for the way you respond to those choices. How do you respond emotionally? Well, you have to be personally responsible. And then through all of it is learning how to develop self-compassion, right? And you kind of referred to, um, you know, this, this masculine tendency 
with within us and and the financial world is 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 fairly dominated by by men and and through kind of uh, there's a lot of masculine energy and and masculine energy is about problem find solution right like you know right. if there's a problem let me fix it and so where i think things become really interesting and advantageous is if you can blend that that masculine energy with the feminine as well which is like okay you know what everything everything isn't so simple problem solution right right it's more about okay here is an issue that i'm dealing with what are the voices that are coming up how am i damaging myself what are the judgments i'm holding let's massage that a little bit with some compassion right and then move towards the right solution right so it's a little bit of a longer process in there but it's far more nurturing and so if you're in an industry and you're an entrepreneur, regardless of what industry you're in, if there's a willingness to blend both masculine and feminine, that's when people like truly take their business to the next level because you're now able to better understand how you function in the world. You're able to give yourself more compassion and then you can step out externally and extend those gifts to other people. Yeah. And when you meet a person from that place, you're far more holistic in your endeavors. They're going to respond favorably because what they'll feel energetically is that you can, um, you see the challenges that they're going through, that you have compassion, you have empathy for whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. And, and that creates a deeper connection and it builds trust. Right. And when you can develop that level of trust, and it isn't just strictly transactional, problem, solution, problem, solution, um, you, you know, you, you're going to be able to support your clients uh, or colleagues or whoever it may be in a way that perhaps they may not have ever been supported before. Right. Right. And, and, and so my approach is really it's that two step. It's let's work with the internal stuff. Let's look at your blind spots. Let's let's examine your fears. Let's identify where uh, there's opportunities to grow your sense of self-awareness. So that you can then step out in your external world and be a better listener, ask better questions, um, support the people around you, empower the people around you. And at the end of the day, influence decisions, influence right. the results of whatever it is that you're setting out to do. So, um, you know, that's kind of my approach. And, and, it, and I, I feel um, I, I like breaking it down in, in real simple terms because I think it lands on people. Once you get in there, there's a lot of work to be done. Sure. And it's a constant reminder for myself as well. When I start to get solution focused and I start to get ahead of myself, I start to compare and contrast myself to other people and start to beat myself down right. is to slow down, take a deep breath and really go inward first. But what you said there, particularly the element around the transaction is so relevant. I mean, I'll start at the financial services, wealth management level and talk about how, you know, even the vernacular has moved from a broker to a wealth advisor. Mm. And the motto within the independent space has moved away from positioning a product, having a client buy a product and be charged a commission in a transaction to an ongoing fee for advice. Mm. That's wealth management. But this concept of transaction can be extended way beyond that. I mean, just think about today in American society, you post a picture or a video or whatever, and someone likes it. 
And in that moment, that transaction occurs that you, and again, this has been talked about, so I'm not going to, you know, get into the details because it's already a topic that's, that's pretty well discussed, but you know, there's an emotional reaction to other people liking what you're doing on social media. And in the same way, I think a lot of times because of this magical computer that we have in the palm of our hand that can do all these crazy and wonderful things and do bring some good to the world, it's moved relationships to transactions, right? Where, oh, yes, I'll talk to you in the five minutes that I lift my head out of my phone, out of my Instagram, or out of whatever I'm doing. And to me, that's one of the things, again, in talking about this and thinking about how it can be applied to business Yes, I understand that there'll be an element that social and utilizing different forms of communication will be relevant. In the same sense, I still believe, until someone proves me otherwise, that we're human beings. So being able to establish relationships based on trust and be able to communicate face-to-face or even from a video, voice-to-voice versus texting is going to always be an important component of business. And just relationships overall. I don't know what you think about that, but I mean, for me, it's becoming harder and harder. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, we we are living in a in an ever changing world, and um, and so where you know our generation of communication uh, or what it means to be um, effective communicators and what it means to establish meaningful relationships looks very, very different to, to, to much younger generations. Right. Right. So they've come into the world with a whole new set of rules. And so, you know, th- we have to adjust to that and hold, hopefully hold to some of the core values that you speak about, which is connecting on a personal level, which is building and establishing trust, which is, catching ourselves when we fall into the trap of measuring our importance based off of the number of followers that we have. Right. Right. You know, in my world, it's quite prevalent. I, I just joined another app where they've created this infrastructure within the app that, that it's literally in your face the whole time. You know, how many people are following the people around you and it becomes a measure. Sure for how impactful you can be within that particular environment. So, so, well, just, just stop you for one second, right, yeah, yeah. right, right there. Right. Is, yeah. I mean, that's again, part of the challenge that I have, which is measuring the impact. And I get this again, there's someone that's going to listen to this and say, but you don't understand. You're not a data analyst and the, the numbers are, are more important than your feelings. So that could be a blind spot. I'll admit that. But most people are saying the impact of of what you're doing from a podcast or a post or from your coaching is based on engagement of this massive populace that you don't know. And I would argue, while there may be some truth to that, the closer, more in tune with what you're saying in your actual true tribe, which is no, not very dissimilar from you know your family and your friends of old, is probably just as important because they're the ones that are actually listening to you versus ones that are not. Yeah. If that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Here's the trap. Okay. The trap is that we have now been groomed to move towards quantity versus quality. Yeah. 
right? And so the number of followers, the number of likes, and all those things where you have this massive engagement could be really disruptive to running a very effective business. Because if you have 100 people that love everything that you have to say and that will buy anything that you put in front of them, and you can create an extremely profitable profitable business by way of these 100 people, well, there you go, right? right? That's where your energy perhaps should go. Where people get, where they trip up is to say, well, I don't have enough, enough notoriety. I'm not known by enough people. And then potentially you could end up spreading yourself thin. And so, and, and having that smaller, high quality group uh, really supports the idea. What you're talking about is, is really building and nurturing meaningful relationships. And at, at the end of the day, I, I, I see it time and time again, regardless of what your scope looks like, your scope of influence, the more effective you are at nurturing and continuing to give value without any expectation of anything in return, the better you're going to set yourself up for your business. Right. Now, we've talked about transactions here, and I think it's important to touch upon this, is that I don't care what business you're in, your bottom line matters, right? And so where I don't want to lead people down this path of getting too woo-woo in the discussion or like in my sort of the, the, the description of what I do, it's that there's a bottom line is always part of the equation. It's always the big part of the equation. Sure. If I come to an organization and I bring my programs in and I don't deliver, I can feel like I'm teaching people the best stuff in the world, but if there aren't results, then we have a problem, right? right? So transactions are important. You know, creating transactions are important. And um, I think where, it, where the, the differentiator is, is when you realize that an effective transaction is one that connects to the other person some pains and it connects to their values. Sure. And, and, if, you, and if you're able to connect to their pain and their values, then it becomes a, a meaningful transaction, if you will, where there's some heart-centered intention versus just close the deal and next. Right. But I think, not but, and I think when you blend the two of what we're talking about, it allows you as a leader, or we can talk, you know, in terms of financial services as an advisor to a much different framework of engagement with the client. Because even if there is a transaction, even if you're still selling a product, mm -hmm. which for all intents and purposes, you're selling yourself and your advice by looking at the other individual and trying to identify their pain points or what they need from you in order to have a better picture of their financial security, to understand more about their estate plan, whatever the issue is, the relationship naturally should evolve to a more trusting one. And if you enter into it without any intention to position something specifically other than your advice, Again, I get my guess is the outcome would be much better that you you'd have a much better outcome because you're not always looking at the person as here's like five different ways I can make money from them. Right. You're listening to them, you're identifying what they need, and then you're bringing them solutions that fit, and then educating them on what the cost is. Yes. And to me, that's probably going to be a more enduring, long-term trusting relationship. And I know lots of people do this. So it's not, again, not rocket science, but sometimes I think that 
particularly in the frenetic pace of at least the industry that I'm in, we get trapped into thinking about, I need to make this amount of money for the next quarter. I mean, I understand it from a corporate level. I understand the the importance of making money, but if there's just this intense desire and focus on that alone, it's going to lead to some bad behavior. Yeah, it it it, it usually does, or it <laughs> leads to um, an individual who no one wants to hang out with. <laughs> sure, right. Um, you know, when everything becomes about a, a, a cash transaction, um, you know, a cash-based transaction, just money-focused, uh, we're missing the point. You know, we're, mi- we're missing the point. And, um, you know, to go back to this, this notion of trust, I think one of the, the pitfalls for people, both in their personal lives and their professional life, is that... Um, is that we'll often go into relationships with a feeling, and it can be subconscious, that we deserve trust from the other person. Right. Right. Because we're good people, we have good intentions, we want to do good things. So therefore that person should should respond to the things that I want and need. And when I don't get the things that I want and need, well, I'm just gonna throw a hissy fit here and blame everyone around me. Right. Because I deserve that. Because I'm a good person, right. so therefore they should understand that. And and I see that happen. I see it happen with myself. I see it happen all the time, where there's this thing that you want, there's this thing you feel you deserve, and you probably do deserve it. Right. However, you jump right to the trust component, and what you skip along the way is getting to know yourself better and creating a deeper connection with that person. Right. Right. And, and so you, the, the mindset is that it, it becomes completely transactional in that case. Well, I deserve this thing. I'm a good person. So they should trust that I deserve it as well. Right. Where in fact, you've skipped over the most important components, right. which is truly developing a very real, authentic connection without expecting anything in return. And, and this is this is a huge, huge piece that I that I that I believe separates really strong salespeople from perhaps marginal salespeople. I agree. Which is that you can't expect anything in return. I agree. And when you come in with that mindset, what you're doing is you're programming yourself to be completely in service to the person on the other end. If you're in service, you expect nothing in return. And ironically, that's when it typically comes back to you. Right. I might even amplify that point by one. I mean, it's perfect in in, in itself and to take it and maybe perfect, perfect. I don't even know if that's a concept or a word is. If it is, I want to borrow it. No, no, ex, <laughs> no expectation from the other party and an openness to be a teacher, a legitimate teacher. So as part of a sales process to teach the other person all of the potentials, options that they could choose from. Because again, if you enter into that conversation without an expectation, number one, and then two, with the teacher's mindset and a, and a legitimate one, not like one that's going to be shaded towards whatever you're trying to sell or whatever you're trying to offer. My assumption is you leave that person better because you've taught them something that they didn't know before. And it leaves the potential open to do business, even if it's not instantaneous. I mean, that 
for me, and again, this is a very selfish and um, singular point of view, because I often say that I often say that to prospects is, I would just like to to share some time with you and to answer any questions that you have broadly, yeah, or as myopically as you want to go. And this is not about sales. This is about me teaching you the things that you would need to know in order to make an educated decision. Because ultimately, if you make an educated decision that leads towards a path of even the genre of industry that I'm in, that's further credibility that this is the right place for me to be as an employee in this particular genre. So that that's one point. And the other to your, your conversation around us feeling like we deserve trust because we're good people. It reminded me of something that my wife and I always remind ourselves or try to remind ourselves is that, you know, we're all heroes in our own story, mm-hmm. right? We're all these superheroes in our story. And therefore you're right. There's this expectation that, I walk into a room and everyone should know my history. Everyone should know my experience and background. And therefore, it should be really easy for them to trust me. But also a big thing for me is like, give me the respect that I deserve. Yeah. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when in reality, no one has any idea. Yeah. And it's a really pompous and arrogant thought to begin with. Like, Did you not read my high school article from 1994? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I don't know what, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We live in our own worlds in terms of how the world should respond to us. And we place these, these expectations on, on these outcomes that are just, when you step out of it and you look at yourself, you know, or what I look at myself and be like, Dude, you're, you're ridiculous for thinking you're that important <laughs> right. because you're not, you know, right. and I have to remind myself of that. Um, you know, I've had to chip away at a pretty massive ego for many years and it's a continual process. Yep. And so, uh, it's a, it's a great reminder to, to kind of, you know, really take a closer look at what, what is that thing inside of me that believes that I deserve this? Right. Right. Like that someone should give this to me because ultimately at the end of the day, it just isn't about that. It's how can you step into service for another person completely removed of any expectations? And and I want to I want to speak to kind of the teaching style that you talked about as well. I think you might have said like a proper approach to teaching. And and what I, I was waiting to hear what you said after that. And you had said that you know you go in and you and you open an invitation to your potential clients or prospects to learn more about what they want to get out of it. Right. And and I think that that was a really important piece to what you just shared to to, to you know to what you just shared, which is I'm going to go in. I'm going to be in service. I'm going to ask questions and and I'm going to I'm going to teach them with quotes to learn about something that they may not have known before and more often than not they're going to end up teaching themselves if you're really good at it. Right. If you ask the right questions. There's this um real simple formula that I think could be be helpful for folks which is question, reflection, insight, action. Right? Question, reflection, insight, action. If you ask a question of somebody it gives them an opportunity to move into reflection. When a person is granted the opportunity to reflect, they come up with their own insights. And when someone comes up with their own insights, they are exponentially more likely to take action. Right. Versus you coming in with all your financial formulas and dropping knowledge and saying, you need to do this, you need to do that, and if you know, blah, 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 blah. They may take action on it, 
but it's not going to be with the same type of, of belief system behind it or passion because ultimately they didn't come up with it on their own. Now, now if you're really good, you can ask questions, right, that guide the person to think about the things that you want to share with them. Sure. Right? So it's, you know, you're playing a little like, I don't know, mental jujitsu there, right? Where you're right. you're asking them questions that position you to have a bigger conversation around your offerings. And so, but but again, at the end of the day, when a person comes up with their own insights, um, it's by way of their own of their own reflection, and they're exponentially more likely to take action. Right, and, and you know, again, to hone the conversation back to wealth management and financial services for a second. Most of the, I shouldn't say, I'll stereo, I'll preface it by saying this is a stereotype, but I will say most of the desirable clients for financial advisors are very successful people mm-hmm. who either have earned, inherited, or any other means come into a significant amount of investable assets. Mm-hmm. So I would assume again, by that action, let's just say of a successful individual, I mean, they're also have their own history and their own story and their own desire to be respected and to be heard. And so if you come into that with that equal energy, right? Like I'm here to prove that I'm the greatest person and that you need to be with me because I have some sort of insight that no one else has. I don't know how successful you're going to be. My assumption would be if you walked into a scenario again, as we've been talking about with no expectation and a desire to really try to understand what they're looking for as a consumer, but more importantly, as a human being, what their money actually means to them Mm. other than dollar signs. And maybe to some people, that's what it means. It means, you know, that is a way in which they establish their, their purpose or their feeling. I mean, it could be shallow, but that, but at least by going through the process, you'll have a better understanding of them as human beings, um, which, you know, again, I think would allow you to have a better outcome of, of turning them from a prospect into a client. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting stuff. You know, when you get into the multi-layered dynamics of what makes a person quote unquote successful, you know, and money holds a lot of influence. And, you know, so if we, if we get into the energetics of earning and of financial prosperity, um, you know, some might say where your energy goes, money flows, right? So there's a reason why people are able to create wealth, yeah. right? And so, and there's a number of different ways to do it. And so to your point, underneath all of it, I don't care who you are as an individual, underneath all of it is a story, right? You know, there's history there and there's meaningful, challenging, uh, delightful, miserable experiences that happen along the way. And I think as a salesperson, as, um, you know, just somebody who is outward facing in an org or inward facing in an organization is, is connecting and tapping into, uh, those meaningful stories. You know, oftentimes when I do work with organizations and, um, you know, a big 
big part of the work that I'll do in in leadership development and and developing a better you know more effective communicators, whatever you want to call it, is personal stories is a huge part of it. It's huge, right? You know, if you were to say to me, uh, if you were to say to me, Adam, you know, I fell off the swing and cracked my head open when I was five. Right now I have something that I can relate to. And I might say, you know, Austin, I was far more coordinated than you were. And I never <laughs> fell off this way. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, what it does yeah. is it is it allows us to connect on a much deeper level. And it and it and then what happens there is hopefully uh, you know, hopefully people let their guards down a little bit. Now that's not going to be the case for everyone. A lot of people will walk around quite guarded. And so the important piece here is that you have to be able to tap in your intuition and you have to be able to learn how to meet people where they're at, right? Like if somebody is guarded, you can't walk up to them and be like, tell me the most tragic thing that ever happened in your life. Right. Right, they're 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 not going to trust you with that question, but if you develop a relationship over time, you may be able to get to that point. And I, and I, and I think that that is uh, again what what creates wealth and what creates successful people is they have a keen understanding. Um, unless you're like a master manipulator, right? And you have some sort of like crazy narcissistic vibe and intention, um, y- you know. Y- y- if it comes from a good place um, and you're able to meet people where they're at, uh, you know, your, your business can really flourish. Yeah. And I think a lot of what you said, um, particularly around the work that you do with organizations is a good pivot point. A lot of the clients within our network at Dynasty Financial Partners are, you know, relatively new entrepreneurs mm. are relatively new business owners. And so, they're dealing with issues that they may never have dealt with before around making sure that the culture is right within their business, making sure that employees have an idea of what their career trajectory may look like, making sure that they have the right policies and procedures in place to keep people safe and not blow them out by working them too hard. So I like what you said about finding a common ground through stories are there other ways in which people that are new business owners should think about doing things that maybe some of your other clients that are successful in creating a, a strong internal culture? Like, are there any lessons that, that you could impart to people just starting out in, as a business owner? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a firm, firm believer that when you lead with vulnerability, vulnerability follows. And so as a new business owner, as someone who's trying to put the pieces together and just make sense of it all, it can be really, really helpful to talk to the people around you from that place and go, you know what? I'm not really sure what I'm doing right now. And I'm unclear if this is the right approach. However, I'm going to go with this. Right. Right. And so just, and I'm not sure if that's, you know, don't, don't, this isn't verbatim repeat what I have to say, but it's just an example shooting from the hip here of being vulnerable and not having to be perfect, not having to pretend you have all the answers, even to the people who 
um, are coming to you for those answers. Yeah. Right. If you're to say, you know what, I don't have a clue what I'm doing right now, <laughs> but my intention is to serve you in the best way. And I'll get those answers for you. Like that answer is, will land far more effectively than creating some, you know, some bullshit response that is if you have the answers to everything. Yeah. So I think like the point of consideration for people who are getting started is to a, to practice compassion, not being so hard on yourself when things do get difficult if you practice using that muscle, it's going to support you in spades. Right. And then the other piece is to be honest with yourself, lighthearted and vulnerable in, in the process and have fun with it. Right. Right. Cause there's a lot of stress around starting a business. Trust me, I know it. And it's just like, it's, there's, there's for the, for the first, you know, for the stress that's been wearing you down, there's another one right around the corner. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's, it's, it's being, it's being gentle with yourself. It's being kind to yourself. It's, uh, you know, understanding that you don't have all the answers and that that's fine. Like it's, you're trying to figure it out right. and that's okay. The more you can share that with the people around you, the more that they are, there's a tendency for them to raise their hands and say, Hey, you know what? Like, let me take another 15 or 20 minutes here to see if I can help you get that answer. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Yeah. Everything that you just said, I agree with completely. And the interesting thing, and this again, can be a very egotistical, maybe the wrong way to describe it, or just my own point of view that could be skewed is, you know, the concepts of authenticity and vulnerability are really important, but there's like a paradox to it. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I think people that are aware of that are using those elements in an unauthentic way, if that makes sense. Like they're aware that they're supposed to be doing it, but it's like a very staged process. And that to me is where, again, personally, I have conflict with it, which is probably my own issue to get over with. But just- Well, it ain't mine. Right. <laughs> coming, to, coming to the table though, from uh, the perspective of, you know, a new business owner and what you said about things being difficult. Absolutely. I mean, they're all- if you're an entrepreneur, you better understand that like every day you're likely to have some sort of challenge, right? It's just going to happen. I've talked about this on other episodes. So then the ability to your point to be vulnerable with your employees and say, yeah, I understand there's an issue. I've got it. Um, or I understand there's an issue. I don't have the answer for it, but we're going to work through this together. And having some compassion towards yourself that even if you didn't see what was coming down the road, that's okay. Like you're, you can't yeah. be all knowing and all seeing. And if you get frustrated and let your energy go out of control, every time there's an issue, you will not yeah. be long for this game. It's yeah. just not Has a game. Has anyone seen the fire extinguisher? <laughs> right. right. You won't yeah, make you it. You have to use some discernment, right. In terms right. of when and how, and what's the tone you know, like you can't come running into the hallway screaming and yelling like fire, fire you know, right it, it, there you, you have to be selective and it go, i go back to that point of really meeting people where they're at you know like can i trust that i can be vulnerable with this person but uh, you know often for me austin i kind of just like you know what i'm just going to be vulnerable and see what happens right and that's that is not for everyone and right. that's okay yep agreed 
I'll ask you one more question. Sure. If you could have given your 20-something, Adam, uh, some specific advice, what would that advice have been and why? Uh, I probably would have said instead of going home at 6 a.m., you should go home at 4. (laughs) 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 And only do it once a week versus five. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's about as honest as my response can get. Um, That's great. But, you know, so what comes with that response? Well, it's a good question. So what were the, what was the, what were the different ages? The age I am now and, and when I was no, old? If, if you were in, pick any year in, you know, yeah. your 20s, yeah. right? And, you know, knowing what you know now, yeah. what would have been some specific advice that you would have given yourself? And why would you have given yourself that advice? Yeah. Well, for me, you know, I have an athletic background and competition was a huge, huge part of everything that I did, uh, in sports and and what have you. And, you know, I think entrepreneurs, you have to have a competitive spirit. Right. Right. And so there's a fine line between healthy competition and unhealthy competition. And the unhealthy part is, when we step into a mode of comparing and contrasting ourselves to others and then beating ourselves down because we're not where we're supposed to be. Right. And so I've worked really, really hard over the years and made a full fledged commitment to myself to continue to diffuse that competitive voice inside of me. Right. Right. It's to stay competitive in in spirit. Like I want to build a business. I want to have fun with it. And I want us to get ahead and make money and support the people that work for me and all of those things. And, um, to be cognizant when I step into that position of compare and contrast myself to the people around me. Cause when I do that, I get angry, I get pissed off, I get frustrated and I carry that energy around. And when I was younger, you know, I just would plow forward and, you know, and there was a major competitive streak in me. Right. And so my, my sort of like advice, if you will, and and looking backwards would be to, to learn more about what it means to be a healthy competitor and to, you know, give myself, and I've used this a bunch of times in our talk today is, is give myself compassion. Like when I look outward and I see this thing that I want or this person has these things that I don't have is to one, honor myself for where I'm at and just embrace where I'm at and, you know, be cool with it. Right. Because that stuff doesn't matter. And 99 times out of 100, that person's life is sucks. You know, own, I don't know. Right? That's not the right I mean, word, but that, that no, but it's their own, their right? Own, yeah. Their own shit as well. Right. Yeah. And so it's that self-compassion. I would say that's kind of long, long story longer is, is compassion, self-compassion. Yeah. Great. Adam, I really appreciate you taking the time, uh, with me on the yeah, podcast. That was awesome, dude. I really uh, enjoyed it. Very fun. Um, very meaningful conversation. Um, hopefully our listeners will, take a lot from it. So appreciate you. Thanks a lot. You got it, man. Happy to do it anytime. Thanks for having me, bud. 
Thank you very much for listening to the Powering Independence podcast. Also, a special thank you to Adam for such an interesting and fun conversation. Really appreciate your time and energy. To all the listeners, please stay tuned for upcoming episodes. Stay safe and wear a mask.